0: everyone. Hi, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Alice and Rose Rosen and is Your New Best Friend. A couple quick announcements at the top, and then I will bring in my guest who's sitting right here. <laughs> it's Heather McDonald. Hello. Hello. Okay, so the announcements... Uh, the Patreon page which I have been talking about for months is up it is live uh, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen you can go there there's all sorts of rewards and bonuses and fun stuff also I will be doing my podcast live at the LA Podcast Festival September 24th um, and if you can't make it there in person you can buy a ticket t- t- for the live stream so you get access to the entire festival uh, you can do that at lapodfest.com lapodfest.com and use the promo code Rosen and you get a discount and hey if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, click through the banner on my website, AlisonRosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it helps out the show. Thank you guys so much for your Amazon support. Welcome, Heather McDonald.
1: Hello. Host
0: of Juicy Scoop, New York Times bestselling author. You know her from Chelsea Lately and from After Lately and from a bunch of other things as well.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, the last three weeks I've been doing, um, co-hosting this show called Hollywood Today Live with uh, Ross Matthews. And it's kind of like... Uh, It's kind of like entertainment, Entertainment Tonight meets The View, or whatever. Like we do all like the light stuff, but we give our opinions. It's not just reporting, and so it's been really fun.
0: Have you? Yeah, I was gonna say, has it been fun?
1: It has been really fun. It's very early. We tape very early, but I, I kind of into that now. How early? I get up at four thirty.
0: Oh, that is early. Yeah,
1: and then we tape in Hollywood, and uh, but I'm done by ten. And so then I feel like, you know, you've got your makeup done. You're like being pretty productive. Mm -hmm. So I've enjoyed the time that I've been on there. So I'm just doing stand up and have dates coming up and getting ready for kids to go to school and haven't done anything for that, by the way.
0: (laughs) What was your original aspiration?
1: My original aspiration, I guess to be like on a sitcom would be like the ultimate, Mm -hmm. um, so when I started doing stand up, um, I thought it was the best way to showcase yourself to get an agent. And I even said, "Well, I'm not doing this to like play Vegas one day." And this <laughs> girl goes, "God, I would die to play Vegas." This other girls who stand up with, them. I'm like, "Oh, and then I have played Vegas, so that's pretty great." But that's <laughs> kind of what I I thought. Well, you know, not a, a lot of girls are cute and stuff, but not everybody can be funny, so. Since I'm funny, I should, I should try this. And I always wanted to do it. And then, um, I was, had a horrible job at a college at a, I was like an assistant buyer at a department store. And so my friend who also hated the job gave me a learning annex magazine and made me go to, I think it was the Radisson mm-hmm. in Santa Monica. There was a little class there. <laughs> oh,
0: that's so great that you got your start at learning annex. I did.
1: And I took that little class. And I made the strangers laugh, and I got in my Toyota Celica, and I said, Heather, your life has now changed. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, I said Really? It. Yeah. And you were right, though. I was like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to do this now. I've been thinking about it for years, and I was afraid to do it. Like, even in high school, my music teacher was said, um, I don't know why you're going to USC to go to college. You should just try to be a stand-up. That's what you should do. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, what teacher at a private all-girl high school tells you to do that. But, right this guy did (laughs) but I still went to college
0: uh what'd you study at USC
1: um I studied communications with like a business minor where you could take like marketing and um I did that because growing up in LA I just uh I didn't want to you know have my parents spend 100 grand and then be a waitress at 27 Mm -hmm. and so I was like even though I knew that's what I wanted to do I was afraid to pursue it because we're so jaded here and then um And then towards the end of my senior year, after I'd already been accepted to SC, I did like this drama, like these one acts. And my parents were like, I think you should switch your major into drama. And I was just like, no, I'm going to run a business. And then I was like, but I I don't totally regret it because so much of me is I loved going to USC. You were in a sorority. I loved the sorority life. I liked dry humping. You yeah, know. you are a virgin until 27, yes, right? Yes, I liked dry humping like chauvinistic frat boys that smelled like stale beer because they'd been drinking all day in the sun. <laughs> I just love that life. I, I like chose that school because it was big and it wasn't going to go bankrupt mm-hmm. because after going to Catholic school for so many years, they would guilt you all the time. The teachers would guilt you that they don't make as much as public school teachers – You know, we I went
0: to a private school from kindergarten through eight and the teachers had a huge chip on their shoulder. I was so sick of it.
1: And when I finally like opened up to my mom, like I just can't take like already you're getting Catholic guilt. And then you're getting guilt from these teachers (laughs) that are like, you know, we don't make what, you know, the the teachers down the street make. And then my mom's like, and they don't have to wear a flack jacket. Was it flap or flack? Like whatever the the Flag, bulletproof jacket Flag. is. It's like, and they don't have to wear those jackets either. You know what I was like? Yeah, you're right. Like, you know, a public school teacher does have it harder than a Catholic school teacher, but they make more. And so, so then once my kids, now my kids go to the same school, and I'm like, you tell me if they ever bitch, because I'm gonna speak. I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> like, you you didn't have to take this job, lady. Um, but uh, yeah. So it was always like oh my god and it's even happening now my my stepdaughter has one year left at her school and i'm just like just let the school stay open till she graduates and i'm fucking done like
0: what you said your kids go to the same school the one that you as went me to? as me yeah they go wow, to the same catholic
1: is... school that i go to so there's like a lot of parents that so went there no co-ed. one was molested it's co-ed till eighth. okay and then the all-girl high school my stepdaughter goes to and um and it was great. It was great for me. It was, you know, obviously it was. I sent my I sent my kids there. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, is it the best school in the world? Is it the best place for them? No, but it's down the street and it's good. It's, you know, well-priced. And I'm like, I never even gave my daughter a choice. Like, she lives with us full time. So I just said, this is where you're going. And she was like, okay. Like, I didn't like these other people there's these other schools that you can go to and then people their daughter will want to go to the school that's like 45 minutes away <laughs> and the one that's like two minutes away she didn't want to go to i'm like why would you do that like why would you even give your kid that choice right no no um <laughs> so you how many siblings do you have i'm the youngest of five
0: the youngest of five i know you have two sisters one of whom is crazy chronicled, yes. yeah so we should get into that sure um but what was your childhood like
1: it was, um, I want to say it was now I believe it was pretty traumatic. I think I knew it was traumatic when it was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I love my parents. They totally adored me. The good thing about my parents is that unlike most comics, my parents like knew I was funny, totally encouraged the stand up, never was like, I can't believe we paid for USC for you to be at this bar doing stuff. Like they would invite people. They just like loved it. Mm-hmm. And even when I was a waitress for a little bit, they were like, she's a waitress at Carol O'Connor's place. Like they just brag about whatever <laughs> I did. So they were the best. But my, by having these five kids um, and my sister and I were mistakes and they told us that. And they said, you know, my dad would joke and say, well, your mother couldn't count a calendar. And like my mom did go on the pill after my sister Katrina, who I talk about on the show. Um, And then a friend of hers, it was new, the pill was new. Even though it was against religion and stuff, she went on the pill. And then a friend of hers got like a blood clot or something. So my mom went off of it and tried to do the rhythm method, which is like counting. And then had my sister and then had me. And then after me, my dad found a priest in San Diego that would bless his vasectomy. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, like we... But I knew I was loved... They'd always be like, you know, you were the best surprises and all of that. But sometimes I I do think, and I've told my sister, who's number four this, who is normal, the attorney, I said, do you ever think that if mom and dad didn't have us, that the three others would have turned out better? Like they would have focused on the three they already had. Not that they focused that much on us. Do you think that's the case? I think that my sister... Who cat Katrina, who was extremely uh, like born extremely jealous, mm-hmm. and I think like when for a while she was she was the only girl she was four when my sister Shannon came, and they my mom told me that she would like find Shannon with pinches on her and and um but then growing up she she was really fun to us and really liked us. But I just think then throughout life it was a constant jealousy about like how much my parents spent on my college even though they would have done the same for her but she mm-hmm. chose not to go and you know my sister got the the same Toyota Celica that I got when she left Santa Clara the attorney and then I got that same car but my sister was furious that I got that car and it just would get Throughout, you know, how much did you spend on her wedding and, you know, like all that. And it's right. it's interesting because my kids are not like that at all. They don't keep track of any of that. So then I'm like, did my parents breed that jealousy? Did they, why were we counting Christmas gifts? Like who started that?
0: Did you? Do you have that a bit as well?
1: No, I didn't care. Like when my parents, I like, like you know, my parents gave a lot to my, to Katrina's kids but they, but I was like once I had kids I go yeah but they're older and they don't have the money and we don't need it mm. so no I wasn't keeping like a log sheet Imagine, and was yeah. like now that I have a child we would like the $6,000 that you spent on whatever gymnastics put into a college fund <laughs> like and there's people that are like that and I think that's just so stupid because I told my husband I go listen if one of our children is whatever the thing is created an app whatever's hot 15 years from now and is like rich or just doing well. And and let's say my other son is a firefighter and we have money. If I want to give the firefighter 60 grand for a house, I'm not going to give 60,000 to the other one that's like doing really well and doesn't need the money. And it's none of their business. Mm-hmm. But a lot of parents do that. Like, oh, every I'm, year, each adult child gets
0: $1,000 at Christmas or whatever. I'm sure my mom has a document somewhere with, like, <laughs> ev- down to the penny of every bit she's given me versus my sister versus my brother's, like...
1: Because she thinks that the siblings, yes. that there's certain siblings that will get on it, will, let it, will bother her about it? I
0: think she's... My mom is just very focused on, quote-unquote, fairness. Like, I can imagine her saying... John, it's my dad, John, it's not, you can't do that. It's not fair to my sisters who I'll call, um, Andrea. It's not yeah. fair to Andrea. Like this constant, I mean, because I'm the older one, mm-hmm. uh, I, I actually am irritated by it. Cause it like, usually it's, usually it's everything has to be fair towards my sister. Like okay. as if somehow because I'm the firstborn things just go my way more. I feel like there's this constant, like trying to make it more fair for my sister,
1: I I have to, for my two sons so I have my stepdaughter Mackenzie, and um, and then with my and she's been living with us she's always been with us but then lived started living with us full time in seventh grade and then with the boys you know my older son is the kid that life does come easier to you know and um, but I say to all of them I go you all have different strengths and weaknesses and I'm going to treat you that way so don't You know, and sometimes my son will be like, you know, we'll say that, you know, well, my younger son will be like, if he gets ice cream, I get ice cream. Okay, that is fine. (laughs) You know, but like all the other stuff where I'm like, I don't care. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not Judge Judy. I don't need to hear your trial. Like, this is, I'm deciding what, who gets what and who gets punished. And, you know, and like, you know, my older son, nothing bothers him. He's just a 13 year old now he's like 5'10 white male like shit does not bother this kid okay and but my younger son is sensitive so if he teases him at all i get really pissed mm. and um but now it's like the worst thing that you can call someone is a bully so they freak out they that, like, 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 if I call my older son, I'm like, you're being a bully. He's like, I'm not a bully. I'm not like, that's like the worst thing you can right. say now. So oh, that's
0: so interesting. It was just yeah. a description back in, in yeah. our day. But
1: then I've also been like, you guys smell and you need to take a shower. And they're like, stop bullying, bullying us. <laughs> and I'm like, I am that a mother telling their kids to take a shower cannot be considered bullying. That's just mothering. Yes.
0: <laughs> so you said that your childhood was traumatic though.
1: Oh, it was traumatic because, um, so I grew up in this house and it was my bro, My parents started to do real estate and they were just like really clueless to what my brothers were doing. And my brothers were getting into drugs and alcohol. And my one brother was selling drugs out of the house. And I like, remember the day? Well, I, I did not figure it out. They just, people would come by. There was like an addition to our house, which was their bedroom. And you could go through the garage to the door to the bedroom your brother's bedroom. yeah and so then all these i was like god my brother's so popular you know (laughs) these kids are just coming by all day long like he's got more friends than anybody (laughs) I know. and back then in real estate there's no fax machines there's no so like my parents were just out every night like presenting offers doing listing things and and finally like you know having a little bit more money than we did before so um and i just you know, there was no grade link or whatever. So my mom didn't know that they were like missing days and days of school. And by that time it was just like a lost cause. And so that brother then was selling the drugs and um, I think I even helped him like garden the pot because we had like a big flat backyard (laughs) in the back. And so that he, um, and I remember my dad or my mom, somebody found the case with the scales and everything. So I think it was like, Did they know what it was? Quaaludes and coke and things like that. So, so I just remember my dad freaking out, like throwing my brother against the bed, and he was just like, "I, I'm going to call the cops," and or you can call, you know, call your drug dealer, and the limo can pick you up. And like I didn't even know, like, and my parents like came from like they were like characters out of Mad Men, so Mm -hmm. they had never even tried pot. Like it wasn't even something they knew or understood or anything. And um, so. So yeah and then meanwhile my older brother that one is Jim and he's he was like smart and a musician and everything and, and so he would like run away or live at a friend's house and then my other brother was um became an alcoholic by like 17 and he um you know i remember like one day they my parents were doing like a listing appointment or something downstairs at the house and he kept going to the closet and like taking vodka shots, like on a Saturday. And he's like, Hey, pumpkin, that's what you call me. And I was like eight or nine. It's like, Hey, pumpkin, you wanna go down to the store, whatever the store was. It wasn't Target, but it was like that. And um I'm like, sure. And then all of a sudden, like something just said, Don't go in the car with them and and he's he was pissed. He's like, Really you don't wanna go? and You know, come on, I'll get you some candy. I'm like, no, it's okay. Just, I don't I'm just going to watch my show. And then he leaves and like in five minutes, the phone rang and he had wrapped the car around a pole. And when we saw, and it was like this big beater car with like, who, there was no seatbelt. And I would have sat in the front. And when I saw the car, I probably wouldn't have been decapitated or thrown from the thing. So I was like, I kind of knew then that I had like a gift for like good judgment. And to like really listen to that, mm-hmm. even at a young age. And so, um so those type of things, then, then, you know, and, and th- then there was another accident and the accident happened the weekend before he was supposed to go to this rehab that cost my parents $50,000. So they would always talk about, you know, money and I knew how much expensive it was. So then he went to jail for a DUI and they were trying, you know, it was just like a lot of, like they never gave up. That was the thing though. Then he'd come back home and they'd be like, why don't you try to, you know, go to a trade school? And then he'd say he was going to like the West Valley Occupational Center and then they'd find out that he never was going there. And it was just, it was like stuff like that. Right. It's like all in the Serial sister series of my <laughs> podcast, which is, I did it like in the beginning of each show for episodes 31 to, um, yeah, th- no, f- 35 to, to 51. But yeah, I think that's why. Like it was, then once they were gone, like my high school years were calm mm-hmm. and fun and then college was great i lived at the school and then after college my life was great cuz i wasn't around all that stuff right so and that would come and go like they'd come and you know they they most you know they were living on their own like things got better and then you know so it was just like that so that's why i call it like a serial sibling it's just like they're just like fucking nightmares and they just keep causing problems and that's what's amazing is how many people have reached out to me because of it and said oh my god and i just got kind of a really great email that i'm going to read on um tomorrow's podcast that comes out when does this come out
0: uh this will most likely come out monday
1: oh okay so it's uh, it'll be up now but i i got a letter from this woman who's like i was the serial sister and I have recovered and this is what I do and I know I have to have a job and I know that when I visit relatives I need to stay at a hotel and you know it was really she'd like I I read it on the thing but it was like really kind of cool because it's not necessarily that all the serial siblings that I took you know that people experience it doesn't mean that they're necessarily you know Dr. Drew certifiable (laughs) you know whatever diagnosed it just could mean that they're like a kind of abusive to their siblings while you're adults. Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't stop. The guilt, like, the screaming on the phone, The like, your wedding will come up, and they'll be like, my kids better be in it, you bitch! You know, just like, <laughs> just, like, stuff like that, you know? And it just, like, doesn't, and then your parents are like, just have her be in it. Just, we can't take it. She'll leave so many messages, she won't stop. You know? And it's just things, it's just things like that, until I finally stopped after my after the cops were called at my son's first birthday is when I got the first restraining order. Do you still have
0: a restraining order? Yes, I have my sister? third
1: and it's got like uh, maybe three and a half years left. Do and we- so far she's respected it. And 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 I, you know, as people are like, does she know you're talking about it? And I'm like, I think that she might, but she knows she can't call me. So I feel lucky and I feel... It's my story to tell, so there's no, you know, there's no legal reason why I can't tell the story. So, I mean, I did change her name, and she um, has a different last name.
0: I do. Okay, I, I want to get into that, but I just want to ask a couple questions sure. about what got us up to this point. Um, do you consider your brothers serial siblings as well? Or-
1: the The one that what that the one that was the alcoholic, yes, um, but because he's done some awful things. Um, but he's really like, he's more like, um, I think he's schizophrenic Mm -hmm. and I really think that when the bad things happened, this, I found this out and this was very disturbing right now he's in jail and, um, for like, he like went crazy and like, you know, attacked people. And so he's doing like four years and, uh, and he sent my other brother, the musician a letter and my brother read it to me. And he basically said what happened. And what happened was he was in jail before because he had a psychotic episode and like went off his meds and attacked my parents. So he did 18 months for that.
0: Did he hurt them? He
1: hurt my dad. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the cops actually saw it happen. So he did 18 months for that. And then. Um, Wait,
0: how did the cops see it happen?
1: Because he was throwing, he threw a a rock through their window they had like been living with, you know, he'd lived with them and everything and they just got him on like social security and, which I didn't think was a good idea. I think people should have a job. I just don't, there's no way to check it. It's mm-hmm. not like, here's your check. Now do five hours at a, a veterinarian shelter. Like they just don't have to do anything. Right. And, and then they become miserable or they, or what in his case, what happened was so, so with that, he, um, uh so then the cops came and they were like well I, I, we, he's gone now or whatever and the cops were like well we're just going to stay down the street and then he threw another broke another window and my dad who's like this old marine came out and was like you know hey motherfucker <laughs> you know like you're not going to ruin my house and he just like ran at him and because my dad was 80 something and he's you know was 40 something then and he, my dad was hurt they saw it and, and, and my parents said, yeah, they wanted, they, they did, they, well, I guess you can't stop a prosecution when it's something like that. Right. But then when he got out, my parents forgave him and they were like, can he come to Christmas? And I was like, no, like I don't want him around my kids because when he goes, Oh, he's perfect. He's great now. He's, he's nothing like that. I go, I know, but when he goes off his meds, he's going to freak out on us. And I don't live behind gates and. Yeah. You know, and sure enough, like that happened. And he Exa- came after you guys? Uh yeah. So that exact oh. same thing happened. And what was what ha- what was sad is when he got what I found out what about one of the, the last psychotic episode that put him in jail, he said, um in the letter that um he he the medication he was taking, his probation ran out. And it was going to be like $240 without probation paying for his meds. And so he's like, fuck it. And I was like, oh my God, what is wrong with our system? Now, here's the thing. I'm sure if he knew where to call and had someone telling him what to do, I'm not saying the state of California wouldn't have given him that medication. But you know how that bureaucracy, all that stuff works. You either know how to work welfare or you don't. I've never signed up for any of that. So, for me, I would probably have to hire a consultant to get food stamps. But other people know (laughs) how to do that. So, I'm assuming, but I would think that somewhere at the end of the, you know, probation, someone would be like, where's your medication? And you you, know what? Maybe someone did. Right. And my brother lost the piece of paper. You know, he's very disorganized and messy. His car was always dirty. You know, he's like that. Mm -hmm. But he did manage for a good chunk of his life to like keep a job for seven years and do these things when he was on meds. And so that's what's so scary about because me- you go off it and you're like, oh, I don't think I need anymore. I feel great, you know? And that's just, and then, so, um, so this is like a depressing, <laughs> that's what I'm <laughs> It's into. juicy. It's juicy, yeah, but it's juicy depressing. And depressing depressing. Stories. Okay. Yeah.
0: So given, um, it sounds like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like the trauma of your childhood was like a lot of chaos and conflict and substance abuse and like erratic personalities. Yes, as a small
1: child, yes, yes. So,
0: how are you around that kind of stuff now?
1: Well, I never. uh, I was terrified of pot. I did not want to try it. I thought the minute you smoked a joint, you became an instant loser. (laughs) I'm not a fan of pot now. I am fine with it becoming legal. But, um, because of, you know, it's a waste to put these people in jail and all that. But like with my sons, now that it's basically legal here, you know, they see the green shops everywhere. I, I want to put it in their brain that it's a loser drug. Sorry to all the pot smokers. But I (laughs) told my son, I go, listen, your brain as a male is not going to finish completely maturing until 30. And certainly your growth and everything will be stunted by smoking pot too young. So he goes, so then I can try pot at 30? And I go, yeah, try it at 30. 30, chances are you won't become addicted and it's not (laughs) going to stop your career, you know? When you start it too young. So then I'll like point out like guys that I see, like I'll see a group of guys walking into a green shop. We call it a green shop. And I go, look at those guys going to the green shop. Three o'clock on a Wednesday. They don't have a job. You know why? Because they started smoking pot at thirteen. <laughs> Should I just say that? You know. So they're kind of like in their brain, like it's, it's not why? cool. It's. I'm not saying they're never going to do it. I just try to like, you know. And they see us, and you know, they we drink, and um, but I went to this thing when my daughter was a freshman, and I said, now if we're drinking, are you telling the kids that we're like fucked up alcoholics? You know, and he goes. No, because I asked the girls, if your parents drink, are they passing out? Are they changing their behavior? You know, are they leaving the home drunk? And so, so I remember one time I was in the jacuzzi and I had a glass of wine and my son wanted to play with the plastic cup. So he's like, you know, finish that so I can play with it. And my daughter was like, she's social drinking right now. She's <laughs> sipping it, Brandon. And I was like, good, because too many kids actually either like make a vow to like, Christianity, right. they're either like not doing anything, like including sex, drinking, like just having the boringest like life ever, or they're like blowing everyone in school and, and getting wasted. Mm. And it's like, when we were in high school, I would have two Bartles and James on a Friday night. Like I wasn't always getting to the point of oblivion. And so it's like, there you need to teach them that there's like a medium a little bit, right? But you know?
0: How are you around... Other people's substance abuse or like unpredictable Well, the thing about
1: it is if you are not, like I've never tried cocaine in my life because I thought that would be the drug mm. that I would love. Something that would curb my appetite tight and want me to talk more about myself. Keep <laughs> me up all night. Have a lot of energy. I love cocaine themed movies. Uh-huh. It's like my favorite <laughs> Kind Non-re. of genre, yeah, like Less Zero, mm-hmm. anything about drug lords that just deal in cocaine and like <laughs> fancy parties and like slinky dresses and yachts. So like I, so I never wanted to try it when I was offered. And then once people know that you don't do the drugs, they never let you know that they're doing it. Yeah. Have you ever realized that? Well,
0: yeah. What I or you don't get is, invited.
1: You just don't get invited to those things. Yeah,
0: that's what I realized is like how And it's was like it? I'm not
1: judgy. Yeah. But I think they are a little bit shameful. And so they don't want the non drug person around. Right.
0: Right. They want it to be like a safe, safe yeah. environment for their uh drug use. Right. Um So God, I wanna ask about staying a virgin until twenty seven and about your sister. Let's just talk about the virginity right Okay, on. sure. Um, you know, there's
1: a virgin on a, a Bachelor in Paradise right now which one she was a vir- she's been on is she Leah? was yeah, is that her name? she's really pretty she was on obviously she was on the bachelor i can't remember which one then she was on bachelor in paradise last summer and now she's back and she cries a lot and she's a virgin and um it's just it's exactly like i that would be me that would have <laughs> been if these shows were around in fact when i was 23 or four I wrote a letter to MTV trying to get on Road Rules, and my kicker was that I was a 24 year old virgin.
0: I feel like they should have snapped you up. I
1: think maybe I didn't send it, or maybe I didn't know how to send it, (laughs) or I you had to do a tape, and it was like uh, you had to tape yourself on VHS or something. Like I don't know how to do that, you know. So like, um, because but I loved the real world, like I loved it so much, Mm -hmm. and um, so you know, I had a friend. Oh, you should do that, you know. So I always loved reality TV. So my friends were always so. Later on, people were like, Oh my god, you would have totally been on the bachelor. I was on studs.
0: Oh, really? Do you even
1: remember that show? I remember
0: the name of it. What it was how like a strip work?
1: show. So it was five shows a night, and you would go on dates. They would not film the dates. Yes. So there was two guys and three girls. So I went on two dates and the guys went on three dates. And then the producer would call you after and they would ask you about the dates. And then they would like kind of manipulate your words to be funny. Mm-hmm. So, like, I remember one guy said, well, I didn't like him, but, you know, I think my mom thought he was nice looking. And then they'd say, like, who said he had a face only a mother could love? You know, <laughs> and that was when I started to realize, oh, my God, these producers, blah, blah. And I felt really guilty. Oh, my God, I'm going to hurt this guy's feelings because he thinks I like him. And But anyway, this 27-year-old, like, Israeli realtor picked me. And so we won, but we never went on our... Date um, after what that what do you win? Just like a like, like a, a weekend a trip, trip or to Cabo, or whatever, yeah. but I think so many people don't take you up on it because are you really gonna go? Like with you have to go with that person, right, and there is like no like chaperon or anything because it's the the show's over, Right so it was a very um cheap show, you know, to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark DiCarlo was, was, the, was that the host?
0: Oh, I totally remember. I can see studs. I can see the logo. The girl,
1: this girl, like a a um. I was at a bar in Manhattan Beach. Called Eleventh Street or something like that, and uh, and I was a ce- I was going to be a, a I was summer between my junior and senior year at SC, and I was approached by like a casting person, and all my friends were like, "You have to do it, you have to do it," and my parents were always like, "You've got to be in love connection when you're 21," <laughs> and but this one you didn't have to be 21 for, so I did it at 20, mm-hmm. and um, but I remember after it aired, a lot of people watched it, and after it aired, I went to Stratton's in Westwood which was like Thursday nights in the summer was where you wanted to go. So my thing aired and all these people were like, were you just on Studs? Did I just see you on Studs? And I was like, that, like, that gave me the bite. Like I fucking was love... First, first TV? Love being recognized. Love it. And, you know, th- and there's been times where I've done a show and then I didn't do things for years. So like I'd get a little of it and then mm. people just forget. And so... I like it, though. Um,
0: So staying a virgin till 27. Yes. Oh. Do you consider yourself a late bloomer?
1: Yeah. You know, I'm such a late bloomer that I got my driver's license before I got my period.
0: When did you get your period?
1: 16, but I was driving before it came.
0: Did you fret about that?
1: (laughs) No, because my mom, I think, my mom, who was like a beauty queen, like with huge tits and a perfect body, she told me she didn't get her period till she was 21 because she'd go and she had to go to a doctor who gave her like a shot hmm. so then my two other sisters got it at, like 14 and 15 so okay, we're so all late yeah so I and then, and then once I got it I didn't want it because I was almost like what if I have sex if I haven't had my period I won't get pregnant <laughs> like I was always looking for a boyfriend uh-huh. you know and so and then I thought once I got my period I'm like oh I'm gonna get fat now but I didn't get fat and um but anyway so yeah and then I even grew, I even grew like a couple inches like my first year of college. Mm-hmm. How so tall I was, are you? I'm like 5'9 now. Okay. I think. I feel like I'm shrinking as my son gets taller. I feel like I'm <laughs> shrinking. But um, no, I think I'm like 5'9-ish. So, and,
0: oh, sorry, go ahead. No,
1: so, that, so, that, so in watching this girl, she said, the, they asked her about it last night. He's like, most guys were not intrigued after a certain age. They're really freaked out. And I would think that this particular girl would freak out guys because she's crying all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. But I was so like really confident girl. and fun. But if I, when I told a couple guys that I was dating, but they weren't my boyfriend, they'd be like, I mean, like, what's the deal? Like, they probably thought I was like screwing someone else or something, mm-hmm. you know, making out and constantly like blue balling them. And then, um, and I told a couple guys, I go, well, the reason why we haven't slept together is because I haven't slept with anybody. Like, I just, and it was just like, no, I just did not want that. I think because they knew I was a good girl. They knew I was Catholic. They thought one guy said, I don't know what I'm, this one guy from acting class, he's like, I just don't even, I don't know what I'm going to do because clearly we're attracted to each other. But if if I get you pregnant, I know you're not going to have an abortion. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't even, I don't want to fuck you. Like, I was like, we're doing, like, a scene from, like, same time next year or something. (laughs) And I was just like, don't worry. Like, going to, like, where you are going to drive me to the abortion clinic? Like, why don't you just use a condom and not worry about getting girls pregnant, you gross pig? Yeah. So, um... Yeah, so it was just, it was a total burden. And now I still get embarrassed. Like you saying it right now, I'm embarrassed. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I wrote a whole book about it. Yeah. But like when I was doing press for the book, You'll Never Blue Ball in This Town Again, I'd be like sitting in the green room and somebody would be like, and next we've got a girl who was a virgin until she was 27. I'd be like, that sounds awful. Oh my God, that's me. I'm coming out to like. <laughs> You're like, what is she looking yeah. like? Yeah. Like, I think that's why I'm like obsessed with like uh, hooker uh literature. Mm-hmm. And um, anything that deals with infidelity and all of that. I love watching that.
0: Are you into the affair? Ha! Huh.
1: Don't even. When is that coming back? That's <laughs> my soon, favorite show of my life. Really? I can honestly think, say I think it might be my favorite show in eternity.
0: Wow. I feel like we might have similar taste in, in shows and things. Yes. Um
1: i probably don't watch enough scripted shows to be honest i I mean sometimes i'm driving here i just see so many billboards i'm like i just don't even know what any of these shows are
0: i haven't watched stranger things have you heard no around you've been talking about it or no No,
1: people yeah people talk about these things and i'm just like i i like to watch tv on a tv so right i don't even know how to like get to the other stuff i have to like ask my kids
0: you to get like an Apple TV or Roku or something. No, we have all the
1: stuff. We okay. have Netflix on our TV and gotcha. stuff, but you don't have to like go and you have to like do a coat. sound <laughs> right. like I'm 90, but I just don't have a huge desire. Like I'm like, oh, I like to just go to my DVR and watch like my Housewives and The Bachelor and stuff like that. And then if the affair is on, I love it. Um, I've watched, I've been into Ray Donovan this season. I'm I'm not, i missed a couple and I'm like not. I like the first as much.
0: season of Ray Donovan. My husband was not into it, so I didn't really watch the second season. I haven't kept up with it. But yeah. I, that's one that I would maybe go he's back to. He's sexy
1: as hell. I love him. I like when he's like cheating on his wife and fucking someone, like throwing someone up against the wall. And if that's not happening in the season, then I'm not as intrigued. Right.
0: You, need, you need infidelity. Infidelity is what sex. does it for
1: me. Yeah.
0: Wait until you were 27... It was a choice. Was it wasn't a choice? It was a choice, right?
1: Well, it was a choice to like say no to guys that weren't my boyfriend. So I kept going. Well, maybe well, I'll get. What was the bo-
0: criteria for you? Were you saving yourself for a marriage? Or no, a I was saving
1: myself for for someone to say we are boyfriend and girlfriend, and it never happened. Either I would tell them and they'd freak out because I wanted them to be my boyfriend, mm-hmm. or they would just get annoyed and think that I wasn't into them, and I wouldn't hear from them. Or I would get, get close to that, and I'd be like, "I don't really like him that much." Like I've waited this long; it should be someone I kind of like, yeah. you know. And then it just became like a fucking burden. And and I, you know, look back because I I'd meet all these like older rich guys, not older, but like maybe forty or thirty eight, and I was like twenty five, and um, and I could have like had rent paid for me. Mm-hmm. I could have gone to Hawaii. So one guy wanted. We walked by a beauty supply store. He's like, "You need any shampoo or anything?"
0: Oh my god!
1: And I was like, "You know, shampoo was expensive. Like a the good, good stuff, like a like good stuff.
0: Expensive, yeah." I was like, "No,
1: look, like, why didn't I get that shampoo?" Right. I would just do meals. I just, I had no guilt about eating mm-hmm. a shit ton on a date <laughs> and getting like an on, like an appetizer, a salad, some mid-level, you know, shellfish or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, here's what I'm wondering because I was a late bloomer as well, but it was really stressful. It's totally stressful. I definitely was like, "When's it all gonna, it all quote unquote, gonna happen?" But it's like, here I am, and I'm married, and I'm you know pregnant late, but I'm pregnant, and pretty (laughs) much everything that I like, everything's kind of it all worked out. Yeah, it all It all worked out.
1: Me too. Yeah.
0: Um, but I definitely didn't feel like it necessarily would at the time. For you, when you were, I don't know. 26 how did you feel about your future
1: when i was 26 i was doing groundlings and stand-up and um not having a lot of success like always you know i remember i like i paid for all these agents to come because this fucker at luna park wouldn't let me just put people on the list and uh but i was like this is the age i'm gonna finally like get an agent and uh And I go to do my my stand-up and then they just, they wanted to represent the guy that came on after me. (laughs) And I paid $64 on my credit card for them to all come in, eight of them for $8 a person. Mm. So there was a lot of stuff like that, but I was like having fun and I was doing real estate with my parents. So I wasn't like broke, broke. I mean, I had, credit card debt, but I loved doing the groundlings. I was like, that time I was like in the Sunday show. No one in the Sunday show knew I was a virgin, but I, I remember one one or two of my girlfriends there suspected it. And they were like, I remember one time we were sitting in the green room and they're like, wait a minute, are you? And I, it was like, it was like, find the biggest secret. I mm-hmm. guess it would be like, yeah. saying, are you gay to some guy in the 50s? I don't right. know. No, I, I just was like, I do not want a new yeah. friend to know. Yeah. Like I was just... Because everyone's like, were you molested? What's wrong with you? You know, and I was already challenged because I believed in God in this business. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, my God, I just can't take like the Catholic jokes and, you know, whatever, thinking I was molested by a priest or whatever, which I wasn't. But I so I just um, so finally I dated this guy that I knew in college and he was like I knew he was such a he was like a good guy like his mom knew my mom he was i liked him in college and um and he knew i was a virgin in college but i think he figured at this point you know who the fuck is still a virgin (laughs) so i see him at this bar we start dating and he like has his shit together he's like 30 he has a nice apartment off of sunset plaza he's got like his own business where he like rents out studios and like produces commercials and um and he wasn't really my type, but I just liked that he was like, you know, cool. And he was like, where would you like to go for your birthday? And so, you know, well, when I just got drunk, like I always do when I get like, that's the thing that gets too horny is mm-hmm. drinks. And so then I just got drunk and I, and I'd already turned him down, like slept over. I always would sleep at people's houses like naked, <laughs> like how I was not date raped like 25 times. <laughs> I really believe in the humanity of men yeah. because I was not. Like, every time I said no, and I'm not, please, if you've been assaulted, I am not making fun of you. I'm just saying, looking back, every time I said no, like naked a boner, Mm. every guy respected it. So, I feel very lucky. So, obviously, I picked good guys to get intimate with to an extent. Yeah. To not have sex with. So, then finally, we did it. And I think we did it like once or twice after that. And then, after doing it like the third or fourth time... I said, so what am I to you? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, well, like, am I your girlfriend? He goes, I just don't want a girlfriend right now. And I go, okay. And I didn't, it didn't even bother me. And I was like, you know what? I'm so glad that I'm not a virgin anymore. And now I can just live my life. And this isn't going to hang over my head. I'm just going to date people. And if I want to do it, I'll do it. And that's the part that I kind of like regret that I didn't discover that. So when people write to me, I don't give them like what you the advice that you would think. I'd be like, hey, be safe. Like I oh, the other thing I would do is I was so scared about ever being pregnant because I'm like, I can't have an unwanted mm-hmm. pregnancy. And how could I, you know, how could I let this happen to me when I'm a college graduate and everything and what I mean I knocked up at yeah. twenty-five. Like so I would take the pill, like I'd start to date someone and I'd get the pill. And then you're supposed to take it for 30 days before you bone. So I'd take it. But by the time it got to the 30 days, the guy had left and wasn't interested anymore. So then I'd like throw the pills away. I'd be like, well, now why am I on the pill? I'd be on the pill for a couple months. I'll forget it. Then I'd have to go get another prescription. And so, so yeah, then I was, you know, and then I just dated one other guy, which um, he was just cute and fun. And then I met my husband. So I've only had three penises.
0: Do you wish you'd had more?
1: Yes. <laughs> totally. Hence
0: the infidelity fantasy. Yes,
1: I absolutely do. <laughs> I think it's a bummer. But I'm, over, I'm, I'm finally over it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, what allowed you to get to this place of being over
1: it? I just don't want I don't care anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to get divorced. I know he's a really good husband. We've been together 20... 20. We've been together 16 years. Married. And, um, I don't know. I think I had, I think I had like a, I think there was a mo, like a-, a few years in there where I would be really tempted and like really horny, like on the road. And maybe I lo- even looked better in a bikini than I do today, but I just don't care. <laughs> I just feel like there, I think there's like scary years. Mm-hmm. I think th- we just did a story on, Ho- on Hollywood Today Live that the, the time that most people have an affair the highest age of having an affair is 39 and I'm past 39. So it's like, you know, you've been married, you're ending, you know, you're scared about turning 40. You're like, is this all that, that there is? And I actually have this joke of my act where I say, you know, I told my husband, like, if we can hang on for about five more years, we'll both be just unattractive enough to realize that we can't do any better. You know, like (laughs) this is it. And I think a lot of it is like, is this it? is there someone else out for me? Or like there was a time where a lot of my friends were getting divorced and dating like hot guys or mm. richer guys than our husbands. And I was like, oh, but with me, I I, I can't find anyone that would put up with me besides him. <laughs> I mean, I talk about him so much in my act that what would I do if we got divorced? Mm-hmm. It's become my act. Staying married is my brand. <laughs>
0: yeah i was thinking the other day i was thinking about all the people i know who when we were younger there was so much chaos and turbulence and or just how difficult it was to be young and single and dating and now like now we're all kind of settled down and this is not an original question but what i was wondering is it's like are we settled down because we met the right person or did we meet the right person because we were in the process of settling down?
1: I feel like it's. I both. mean, I, I do feel like I don't believe that there's only one person in this life. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that if you get divorced, it was in any way a failure. Like your life grows and, and that the person that you married may change. You may change. It's like how you go with the change. Um, so I mean, I feel lucky that. I, my husband and I have a really good friendship, but we've like had hard years and hard times and, you know, where I mean, I'm just like, oh my God, do you hate me? But, um, today, what
0: makes you, what has made you wonder
1: that? Just like, there was just times where like, when I was just working so much, like it's taping Chelsea lately and then we'd tape after lately at night. So we would do the show all day and then after lately we'd tape and my son was only like 5 at the time my younger son and there were like 3 days where i never even saw him because mm-hmm. i'd come home at like 12 and then have to get up at you know he wouldn't he was like in preschool so he wasn't even up when i'd wake up and then i'd go and um and my husband was really like the stay at home dad during those years so then i w- was getting like resentful that you know there's just times like there's just there's hard times you know and i just think that um now we're just, like, all in a better place. I'm, like, waiting for the shoe to drop. Like, everything's going pretty well right now. So I'm, like, now my son is, now my really moody uh, stepdaughter is finally, like, maturing and, you know, being more pleasant. So I'm, like, okay, now the 13-year-old son is probably going to freak the F out. I don't know. Because he's, like, so <laughs> great the, and fun right now.
0: The space has opened up Yeah, for a, for a freak out. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about something uh, juicy. Okay. Um, I didn't know until this morning. I don't know how I missed it. Um, mm-hmm. You kind of had a uh, feud is sort of the wrong word, but Chelsea, you know H- where H- it was. Which, something between you and Chelsea. It H- was H- really H-
1: like a really crazy, honestly, like a oh, I mean, it was it was bigger than a misunderstanding. But in a nutshell, I did a podcast. And I was very honest in in talking. In doing so, I said a lot of self deprecating things about myself. One being that I have a fear of being fired. Okay, so that they took that sentence and gave it to TMZ. I think,
0: yeah, I think they quote five, five days, days before
1: the podcast was available for anyone to listen to.
0: Oh, the host did.
1: Yes, Theo Von and whoever the guy that mm-hmm. he. I can't remember Mike or something Matthew. Matthew, who does the pod, and and they held the podcast for like six weeks. First of all, I was like, did that? I thought it'd come out. Like, I didn't even think, you know, I did so many podcasts that nobody, I didn't get even a tweet about that. I was like, I guess no one listened to this one, you know. So, um, and so they put that in the headline, and they actually even put a picture of me from a red carpet that was a haunted mansion. So I did like a scary face. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, Heather McDonald is terrified of her life working for Chelsea Handler. And then, um, so then everybody was either just reading the headline or even just reading the article, which wasn't, you know, didn't say much would, they were just again, taking the words out of context. So I didn't know what to do. I didn't answer one tweet I was freaking out. I finally listened to the podcast on Tuesday morning. So the, the story came out Saturday. Tuesday morning, I wake up and I listen to it. And I was like, whew. Because I couldn't remember what I said. I'm like, oh, that wasn't bad at all. Mm-hmm. That was really fine." I like, said very complimentary things about her, my time there. You but I was being honest.
0: Because like, I, I listened to it. Um, okay. And I felt a bit.
1: Tell me what you thought.
0: Because I felt like they were trying to mm-hmm. dig. And
1: you were defending they were. her
0: at times.
1: Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. But I was also like, you know what? The show's been off for a year and a half. We're not hanging out. She's moved on. She's got her show. We're not working on it. I'm not working on it. Like I'd done so many uh, interviews like on the road where people would be like, how's Chelsea? Where's Chewy? And I would go, Oh, we're all great. Like I, I So I felt like in respect to Chelsea, I was like, I don't have to be fucking honest. She's honest. I just mm-hmm. heard her on a radio show driving to that podcast. I just heard her on a serious radio show. So. Where she was like, yeah, I, I, you know, a lot of relationships ended with the show ending as they should. And I'm excited about this new time. So I was like, you know what? It's all good. Right. You know, it's all good. Everything's fine. Such a great time. I'm doing my podcast. I'm loving where my career is going. So I was just really honest when they asked me. And after doing my podcast for six months, I had become so honest. And then one of the reasons I started my podcast was because I was testing for a lot of, um, Daytime talk shows, mm. and I was getting really scared that I might say a politically incorrect thing, and and they would go like, be, you know, veep me or whatever. What do you call? It? What do you call it? where they not veep you? They um vet you. Oh right. So where they'd vet you, and then I they'd find out that I said some joke, and you know? mm. so I was like really kind of like being careful about what I said and did. So then when those things kind of none of them went, I was like, you know what? I love this podcast because. If people listen to the full hour even if you say something kind of edgy or whatever, they know you're not a racist. They know you're a good person. So I was like being really honest. So then um so then that Tuesday morning I heard it and I was like, "Okay, this isn't bad." Well, I'm driving to do my podcast and I'm listening to Howard Stern and she's on Howard Stern and she of course hadn't listened to it. It's Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. She didn't listen to it. She just read the headline or the article, and she was really pissed. And then she went on to say, like a, a career devastating lie, which was that I st- that I sold stories about her to the tabloids. I don't know why she said it. I've talked to other people. I said, did she ever believe that during that time? And they said, no. She, it's absolutely. I don't. Nobody knows where it came from.
0: She said that when she discovered it, she could have. I'm. Um, this is right. She could have fired. Yeah. She said. It's not, not word for word. Um, But I remember what she said. She could have fired you, but she didn't. But she stopped being alone with you. She stopped being social with you. uh, None of of that is true. That's what I was going to ask. Was there a moment where
1: things... Were you guys good friends? We were good friends. We went on the road and stuff. There was a time, yes, were we closer in the first few years? But she was closer to all the people in the show Mm -hmm. the first few years. You know, it was unusual to be partying with your boss. Jay Leno wasn't taking... His entire staff to Cabo, but that's kind of what we did those first few years. So it all sort of, you know, she evolved. She had other friends, you know. I'm like, I'd rather have dinner with Jen Aniston too, over Heather McDonald and Peter, like (laughs) I would too, you know. But it wasn't that. We still had stuff. We I still opened for her, and um, no, it was a complete. It's a complete and total lie. I mean, if anybody really cares, and hopefully people don't anymore, she was never in the magazines, and neither was I. She told everything about herself on the show. Right. There was not one thing I could have revealed about her that she hadn't put in her books, told in a cold open on our show. So I, there, so there wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I, I was like, so my first thought was like, I knew I didn't do it. So then I was like, God, what horrible person at the show fed this in her brain? You know, and Mm. I still don't know. I really don't think she believed it for four years. I think she was angry and then that popped into her head somehow and she just said it. And then it was like, then it it was a lot of publicity for, you know, her, her, uh, her Netflix uh, documentaries. And it was horrible for me. How Oh, my God. I never really received hate before. I really got very little hate. I mean, sometimes we'd be like, you're ugly. You have a cabbage patch face. But like most of it was like pretty positive, you know? And, um, so to just get people saying like, you know, you ungrateful, you know, no one would even know who you were if it wasn't for her. And I'm like, I agree. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Like I would not be even talking to you today. Anything, you know? I don't know where I would have been. I mean, maybe I would have booked something the following year, but yes, I'm absolutely here. I absolutely have my books, my stand up, everything because of working on Chelsea lately. That being said, I worked seven years. I was there from day one. I was a writer and producer on the show. I made a very average, very average, uh, you know, bare minimum income income for a cable show, which everybody else got. Uh, though we were featured on the show, that was very minimal. And but I was happy to have it. It gave me. I could keep the house that I. I've never even moved from my house. I had the house. I drove a Lexus and I had my house when I started the show and I had the exact same thing after. So it wasn't like, you know, it's not like I was picked up at the grocery store and made a star. Like, I mean, <laughs> I'd done a lot of stuff before and I worked really hard. And yeah, we we all got a little bit famous from being on the panel for seven years. But I mean, I was just kind of like, and I just, and I felt like, yeah, take it out of context, I do look like a little wimpy asshole. And then like, you know, the talk said I should have quit. If you're afraid, you should quit. And I was like, well, I'm so glad that these women in their 40s are confident about quitting a television show, (laughs) you know, when they have, you know, kids to feed. And, and, and the thing is, I didn't want to quit. I mean, that's the thing. Like, the thing was taken out of context, so I understand what they mean. If I was really afraid for my life, afraid, like I was gonna be murdered. But there, of course that wasn't it. It was like
0: there can be jobs where you're there's not a totally con- tone and a, yeah. you're afraid that you'll get fired, but that doesn't mean you don't like the job. Right. It just it's means like, it's there's because there's you that, do like
1: the job that you, that you don't want to get looming, fired. Yeah. yeah. So there just would be like an intuitive feeling that I'd be like, this week I'm kind of walking on eggshells.
0: And by the way, by the and way, I, that is how so many sets and TV yes. shows are. Yes, like, that's, that's what people don't. Yeah,
1: believe, like, yeah. Maybe maybe it's not as bad when you're working at retail and Bloomingdale's. I'm <laughs> sure it still can be bad that you might get fired, but you no, know, the stakes are not as high right. when you're working on a show. And um, and there's somebody you know. And I remember they're like, I remember a uh, producer said, "We're looking for a younger Heather McDonald." <laughs> to me, do you know a younger Heather McDonald?
0: That's kind of awful it's
1: awful but i'm like at least i'm a type yeah
0: (laughs) did you did you recommend some
1: (laughs) no because there isn't any right but i mean if there is great play my younger sister let's do something together yeah like but it was you know there was things like that so you know and um but you know that that was it and actually when she Quit which that is what happened the show was not Cancelled and other people think it was cancelled whatever When she quit the show I actually thanked Her I was in Vegas with her we're having Fun in June and I I Thanked her and I said you know thank you for quitting Because I would never quit I would never Quit and I know that I have to Pursue other things and There was no way to go nowhere To go on the show in Mm -hmm. fact I was being put On less along with the other writers they were Not featuring us as much so There was you know It wasn't like I was going to get a spinoff or anything like that. And we had tried, like we had pitched other shows and, and the after lately was successful, but, and, and, you know, if the show would have gone on, I'm sure we would have done a fourth season of after lately. But so with that, you know, it was just, that part was really awful. And all I could say, cause I didn't want to, I got called to be on shows and like respond. And I was like, Oh my God, people are going to think I'm using this for publicity. So all I did was say on my podcast, um, it's just not true. And I don't know why she said it. And so, but it's all good. I mean, like she's doing her thing. Everybody's doing their thing. And I was just bummed that that happened. But now six months, more than six months later, um, I feel like everything for so long, I regretted everything. I regretted going to the podcast. Mm-hmm. I regretted like why the minute the podcast didn't come out, I should have written like a long Facebook thing explaining it. I should have, should I have called her that day? What could, you know, what could I have done? Like, should I have called her on Saturday and said this? I just thought she wouldn't care. And I just thought it would get buried, you right. know? So there were all those regrets I had. But now I'm like, you know what? I don't regret it because it, it made me more honest and it, it's actually. A couple weeks after that is when I started to tell the story about my sister because I was like, it's the one thing that I hadn't shared in the books. I don't share about, you know, in my, um, you know, in my stand up. And I was like, so I kind of feel like it was a little bit of a a launching pad, you know, Um, in that launching pad of me going, well, you've got nothing to lose now. Mm -hmm. But I mean, do you feel
0: like it's damaged
1: you? I think it did. I definitely do. Like, in in what way? Well, who wants someone in a writer's room that's selling stories to the tabloids? I mean, yeah. it's like the craziest thing. I'm making, I'm making, I wasn't making a lot, but I was making a writer's skills salary. Am I going to go call Us Weekly for $50? <laughs> and what am I going to say? Chelsea had a glass of milk today. She's no longer lactose intolerant. What am I going to say? Yeah. So, I mean, that, eh, but there was like, then when people, there were some people that logically thought it out and was like, I don't think I did ever see her in the tabloids. You know, I mean, so it was like, yeah, that's right. Because I never fucking did it. And then, oh, the other thing was, if you watched After Lately, my character was like an exaggerated version of myself. So we made me like really excited to meet stars and stuff, which I'm totally not. Like I never ran down there and tried to get pictures or anything. If I knew the person, then I'd be excited. But I really don't care. Like I'd be like, Ugh, you know, now I've got to put on lipstick and go down there. Like I didn't even. So, um but my character for After Lately was like, oh my god! So one of the one of the episodes was Jennifer Aniston was um, having a party or whatever, and they—I I don't know—but it was something like they didn't invite me. And in. and in the scene, I go, oh my god, Chelsea, tell me what Jennifer Aniston's house is like. I saw the—I uh, saw it in Architectural Digest or People, and she's got an infinity pool. I just, you know, improv this whole scene. And so also when it happened, I'm like, is she confusing hmm. an After Lately episode with? like it's all these things went through my mind right but then like weeks later she you know texted me and was like i know that your words are taken out of context and then i just said and i didn't bring up this i just she
0: texted you on like had you excuse what's happening to my voice had you reached out to her at all no so she just texted you on she just
1: said like i heard that it was rough for you and i'm fine yeah i just want you to know i know that your words were taken out of context and i'm fine with it on this end and I just said, the whole thing was really unfortunate. Excited to see your show. Like, I just... So you didn't say anything no, like No. Why did you say this I don't, Because I was just like, I didn't want to start a whole thing. Right. I don't... You know, I still don't know. I don't even, like... I don't even know if she'd be at this point... Like, I don't know if she'd even say... I don't, I don't remember saying... I don't know. If I mean, you were- it was career... It was career devastating. Like, I didn't... I don't think I booked anything for, like... A, seven months and you think it's because of that i do i do like i was on wendy williams all the time i'd fly it to new york and go on not all the time but i probably been on like three or four times and then she did the story and she said um i'm team chelsea and and i understand she's probably looked at it like i don't want a disgruntled employee but i wasn't disgruntled i was never fired Like, I was just sharing, but I guess my advice to anybody would be like, don't ever talk about a past employment or type situation, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when you've been there for seven years. And I think when, for some reason, people have thought, I think people were like a little crushed to think that we weren't like buddy-buddy anymore. Like, I remember my friend goes, you know, I remember hearing that Laverne and Shirley weren't friends anymore and that made me really sad. And I was like, oh my God, I never thought that. Like, it had been my reality for so long that I was like, who cares, you know, like, so, I mean, she's doing great. I think it's really cool what she's doing. She seems really happy. And, you know, I think everybody's happy. If I saw it at a restaurant, I would say hello. Like we're fine. Are you upset with the podcast? Theo Vaughn?
0: Yeah. And his co host.
1: Yes, I think it's unfair to I think if you put the podcast out and you have salacious lines, that's fine. But put but let the but put it, those, those sound bites or those sentences out when you can listen to it. Mm-hmm. By putting it out five days before anyone can listen to it is where I thought journalistically or whatever was kind of fucked. And so that pissed me off. But Theo is my friend. And look, I don't blame people for trying to get listeners. But it was, it was the most devastating thing.
0: Does it make you feel better to know that I knew nothing of this yes. until this morning? Because I know... Can we cut that, it out? <laughs> <laughs> I know that when all the like Adam Carolla stuff happened and suddenly I was on like the... It was everywhere. Um, and
1: what was the controversial stuff that people were saying? He...
0: Oh, they were saying I was ungrateful. I mean, it's the same thing. They were saying I was ungrateful uh-huh. and that um, I wouldn't know who she is without him. Right. And it's like, and I don't disagree with... Yeah. Well, it's the same as you. It's like, well, I actually had done plenty of stuff ahead of time. However, you personally who are a fan of the show wouldn't know who I was. And I didn't agree with, you know, and it's it's a whole thing. But I felt like, oh, fuck, this is everywhere. So then when I would have someone on my podcast and they would not know anything about, like, oh, so you're not working with Adam anymore. And I'm like, oh, my God, you don't know the whole story. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Yeah, a lot
1: of people don't know. Like, a lot of people will come to my shows and go... We miss you. When can, you know, and they don't know about Chelsea's new show. Mm. They're like, we miss you. I wish we could see Chelsea lately. And I go, well, you know, Chelsea has a show on Netflix. Like, and they just, they're not the audience or they didn't follow her there. It's weird. She's finding a new audience. But like, I just go, thanks. Yeah. Now I just go, thanks. Oh, I miss you guys together. You were so fun together. I'm like, uh huh. Yeah. Thanks. You know, glad that you. Thank God you're, you know, you're right. still coming to my shows without being on TV. I'm just grateful for that.
0: I think when you're the subject of one of those crazy news cycles, it feels like there's, it's everywhere. Yes. And then, but it's like, all it takes is someone not checking those sites for a couple of days and they miss it entirely. Like I had, like I had. Right. Didn't know right. Story, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, let's take some questions that listeners sent in on Twitter. Okay.
1: They send them in They're wondering how
0: you have been so thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. okay um tsdcx says if she had to have a crazy rumor spread about her but she got to choose what it was what would it be
1: Ooh. that i'm like incredible in the sack <laughs> <laughs> um. yeah probably that because I don't think I just think I'm okay
0: okay and usually I don't let someone ask two questions but this one's good okay same same person only because I've heard her ask other people who is the meanest slash worst celebrity she's ever met
1: you know everybody's really nice like when everybody that came on Chelsea lately was nice Oh, the the meanest one was probably um, <laughs> I met Jerry Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. He wasn't mean though. I was just an idiot. Um, mean. Andrew Shue.
0: Really? <laughs> of all people to be mean, what was he like?
1: I was like in my 20s and he was on Melrose Place yeah. and he had a charity called Do Something. And this is also hard because I he probably did nothing wrong. But you know, I do think sometimes a problem with celebrities is that civilians or whatever you call them, regular people, are looking for you to misbehave. Yeah. They're looking for you to be rude to a waiter. They're looking for you to maybe be not the nicest as you're getting your keys to your car. Like, you can't be distracted. Like, everyone else can be an asshole and stuff, but you can never be distracted or, you know. Um So, I just remember I was talking to him and he was just, like, really rude. But he probably... I probably he probably didn't want to fuck me and probably didn't want to give me the time. But so, yeah, I guess Andrew should, I'm it's sure I'm sure he's though. perfectly nice now. And I know he's like married to some girl in like Good Morning America and they look cute together. And But I mean, yeah, it's everyone's been nice. You know, I don't think people would come on my podcast or whatever if they had a problem with me. Mm. So
0: Michael Catherwood wants to know. Oh. I'll be with her at official Hollywood Today Live. Any prep you want me to do?
1: Oh, because we just did. We already did the show. show? Okay. Yeah, he's so cute. He's, he is.
0: And (laughs) lastly, Jenny Crownover says, uh, "Please ask her if Katrina's voice was really as bad as she portrayed on Serial Sister."
1: Yes. Okay. When she's angry, when she was angry, she'd leave me these voicemails that were, really, exactly that. I can do voices. So if I do voices, whether it's you know my stepdaughter's mother who's asian or my own mom or my sister i it, it's got, it's uh, i can do it like an impression, impressions is what i do so it's like yes that's what it sounds like
0: so i wanted to ask um about your decision to air the stuff with your sister you you hadn't ever talked about it and you hadn't put it
1: in your books right how come i i the reason i did is because after the um but i mean how come you hadn't previously because um the story hadn't gotten to this climactic point yet. Mm-hmm. And just having a restraining order against her, not having her in my life, I didn't feel like I wanted to like poke the tiger. Right. And I think the restraining order at the time that my two books came out had like expired. And she was just, we were just not in each other's lives. So it wasn't, I really didn't know what was going on. And then with, um, so this, the whole thing that culminates. T- the horrible story is it's a it's around my mom's di- my mom dying. So after the um, and then my mom had been like you know had died like oh this is over a year, but we're after the Chelsea thing. I was you know she was always threatening my sister to not that anyone would want to buy an article about me or something, but threatened to you know say horrible things about my husband and I. Really bad, horrible things. And, um, so after that happened, I'm like, I'm going to beat you to it. Like, I'm going to tell the story, Mm. you know, I'm not going to let this happen and then not. So I'm like, I'll just tell the story. And I knew that it was a juice and I'm like, it's a juicy story and, but it takes three hours to tell. So I'm going to, you know, do little increments and hopefully you'll get hooked and then stick with the podcast. You know? Yeah. I mean, I did it so that people would enjoy the podcast and, and, um, But I never thought that it would honestly touch so many people and comfort so many people. People that were embarrassed to have estranged sibling relationships. And I think it's like something that's really not talked about at all. You Mm -hmm. always hear about like horrible mothers or an asshole dad. No one talks about like how abuse an an abusive adult relationship, verbally abusive, you know. So people Um, liked it.
0: And how has...
1: It pissed off my normal sister. Ask, yeah. It bothered my normal sister.
0: What was her reaction?
1: She wasn't happy about it. And, you know, I said, yeah, she was listening to the show in the beginning. And then she's like, we fine we went to Palm Springs. We're having fun. And then, you know, two bottles of wine in. I'm like, have you been listening to the podcast? She's like, yeah, no, she goes, someone told her about it. And I said, well, then just don't listen to it. It'll be over in like 10 weeks or whatever. And, um, and she's like, you know, it's, it's, she always really defended her. She is a defense attorney, mm-hmm. which was difficult for me too, because I was like, you know, when she got him Switzerland, I'm Switzerland, I'm like, well, Switzerland let Jews die. You know what I mean? Like at a certain point, <laughs> I like, I often
0: have that reaction when someone says well,
1: Switzerland, like, like, is that like you know yeah. what? Come on. Like right. at a certain point, if you're not it's not side, two, you're against me. Yeah. It's t- at a certain point. It's not two sides of a story. Okay. Right. You know, like enough. And she was put in a really hard position during this situation. And so, yeah, she wasn't happy about it. And, like, uh and I was actually really happy when it ended. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, I'm so sad it's over with. I'm like, I'm not. Like, Man. I, you know, I'll find other things to talk about. If there's an update, there's an update. But I hope there isn't. Like, I just, you know, and it's hard because my niece has reached out, her daughter, and I'm just like, to I just... What? She like wants to see me. And I just feel like if I saw her, even though she's an adult, it would spark anger in her mom. And I just don't want anything. Throughout the 15, throughout our 16 years of being married, the cops have been, you know, on my property three times removing her. And so it's like, I can't, Expose my husband and kids to I, I would feel horrible if I made a decision One of the things That had happened was When my niece was 16 We Were like kind of talking not really The restraining order had gone away From the first one And um, so I had her babysit And she lied to her mom And said she was babysitting for someone else And I didn't know And she freaked out And my sister came to the house And she um you know broke a wine bottle outside was screaming and the cops came and my dad lived next door and then she she tw- twisted her ankle and she told everybody that my dad threw a brick at her and then yeah she tried to light this then she came back the next day and tried to light this dress on fire it was just and i was like i was like why did i have her babysit like everything was fine <laughs> And then this fucking wound opened again. So then, then it happened again when I had the after the funeral and the after party for my dad at my house. Mm. And my husband was like, why are we doing this? You know, she was excited to come. And then it was, and then she kept trying to like hang out more and I kept pushing her off. And then like, then something set her off. And it was like part of it was that I wasn't accepting her like it was 1995 again and so that's the thing like the boundaries is she if
0: you were to diagnose her borderline I think it's
1: borderline okay I mean that's what I've heard and you know and so hopefully she's doing good I, I mean I told her kids I go we're just bad for each other and I'm like and you you know just be good for, just be good to your mom. Like, even if, if things mold over, it would not last forever. Something will happen. One thing that set her off was an Instagram photo. Of? Of this girl who, um, she believed, she introduced her to me, but she didn't. And we saw each other at a party. We took a picture together at a Christmas party. And that set it off. Mm. So it's like, you know, how am I going to live my life with social media and, not inviting her to thing. I mean, it was just it, that social media really hurts stuff like that. Yeah. Because someone's brain is like, I mean, I get hurt and I'm not crazy. I just, I just, we were getting ready for a party to, to go somewhere anyway. And my husband's like watching fortunes, a uh, uh, Facebook live feed. Mm-hmm. And she's at a party at Sarah Colonna's and Chris Franjola's is there and all these other people that I knew from the show. And I wasn't invited but, like, I laughed about it. I text Sarah, and she's like, "Oh my God, there's only eight people I thought about inviting you." I'm like, "It's fine, But it's one thing to see the p- picture that you miss the next day, but to actually see the party happening that right. you're not at. It's <laughs> kind of horrible. Yeah, so it's like, you know, I think that's that's what it is. but I, I mean, I, think, I mean, I, I wrote my niece. I'm like, "I think about you guys every day. I'm, I really miss them. There was this little period between my dad's funeral and my mom's funeral which was seven months, that they were back in my life and I loved it. But I just, it's like, that's it. Like I, you know, and I know some people might be like, that's wrong, but I I can't, if I was a single woman, I'd be in, in the thick of it still. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I would have never gotten a restraining order. I'm sure I would have taken the abuse. I'm sure I would have lost, you know, days and weeks of my life dealing with, you know, a fight. But because I was married to a sane human being, (laughs) I finally was like, no, you know. So, and I just think that's something that surprisingly a lot of people could relate to, you know. Mm. So.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that it really isn't talked about that much. And then there's people who are like, well, blood is thicker than water. And it's like, "Mm," that is an excuse to hold people in unhealthy relationships.
1: Exactly. I totally agree with that. Well, like one thing that Dr. Drew said was like, where is it? Like, you know, I don't know how he said it, but like, is it codependency that you'd keep this person around? And I think a lot of people do have that, you know, but it's a certain kind of personality. Like she was, she is really fun, you know, and it it was sad because like when I was starting to do the groundlings and all that stuff, she'd always come and she was a young mother. So like it was a fun night out for her and we had this fun life, you know, and then it just... I just couldn't take it anymore. Like I just couldn't take like her calling me and leave just screaming on the phone at me. And there was no way I could say anything back, you know. And so, because it was like before text and, you know. Right. And then I'd like try to write her a letter of like, I just think we need to have our distance. And she'd read into that letter and be like, why did you say, you know, it was just impossible. It was like impossible. But I mean, I feel, I feel badly about the kids. But the thing is, I'm like, if my niece or someone gets married I can't be there anyway. Yeah. And I'm like, if we have a secret lunch and someone like sees us and then runs into her and it's like that, it could be like, she could be at a place where she's like, that's great. You know, Heather's in the industry and this will help my daughter. Or it could be like, listen, you're just because your kids aren't great. Don't try to take my good ones. Like, you know, I don't know what she would say, <laughs> you know, like, so it's, it's just like, Oh God.
0: I think you're protecting yourself and your family. That's all it is.
1: You know, it's all it is because I just, I even said to my son who was 13, I go, what if it set it off and somehow we even got one nasty call because of it? He'd be like, we'd, you know, we'd be mad at you and you'd be mad at yourself. I go, exactly. Mm. And the thing is With crazy people like this The the longer time goes The less likely They're gonna freak out on you They're gonna find someone else That they hate more They're gonna like hate their. They're gonna freak out On their landlord or something Right So let it be that person Right And not me
0: Okay let's do Just me or everyone Sometimes I ponder on Something I have thought or done Is it just me Everyone okay this is where people write in with things they think or do and they wonder is it just me or is it everyone so we read them and then say whether we all have these same feelings
1: okay um
0: heidi says it drives me crazy when people call a dad spending time with his own kids babysitting it's not babysitting it's parenting I agree i would agree with that I agree. i've never that never occurred to me but yes. it's it's really annoying yeah yeah um, okay, Aaron Herdman says, whenever someone responds to a text with the letter K instead of the word okay, I read it as indifference or hostility.
1: I don't. I I read it as, I'm doing a lot and that's the quickest yeah. thing. Honestly, maybe they're driving. They shouldn't be texting anyway, but mm-hmm. at least they're not writing O-K-A-Y, so it doesn't bother me. Right.
0: I think that I used to read it as... Indifference or hostility, but now I don't anymore. I don't because
1: I've had people think like I've said okay, and then people look go, oh, "Really? Is that it?" Like, and then I'm like, "Oh shit!" So now I, I no, it doesn't bother me if it comes to me.
0: Yeah, J mose for A Rose says scrutinize TV and movies in a desperate attempt to see signs of a set. I don't do that.
1: Signs of a set? What do you? Yeah, mean? like
0: to see that it, to see the set, anything artificial about, like to see the set that they're on.
1: Oh. You know what bothers me though Hmm. it really bothers me when um when people have uh coffee cups that clearly don't have enough water in them yeah in a show and also like a bag of groceries right where it's like so full it's really i really have a problem with the prop master i guess
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah does that yeah you you never actually you never see a grocery bag that looks like a regular grocery bag that's like honestly heavy yeah yeah yeah
1: big like thing of like the, the top of the carrots yeah, yeah.
0: um okay <laughs> amanda walker says use vampire method to block a sneeze and either soak my arm or sneeze on someone's feet i what what does the vampire method mean
1: is that what vampire it's Je- like Jeff, we, just where you go yeah, in your just, elbow you go in your elbow yeah, you hold your arm up and then you know what your elbow. that Vampires should do listen that? N- you it shouldn't bother that person because what it is is they started teaching it in schools a while ago. Yeah, so that's why younger people. I'm assuming you know that's why younger people do right. it. And then well, now you're picking. Now I pick it up because it's so you don't sneeze on your hand and then get it somewhere else. Right. I don't think she's saying it bothers her. She's saying when oh. she does
0: it, she either soaks her arm or sneezes on someone's feet.
1: Well, then get a bigger elbow because <laughs> that shouldn't happen.
0: But wait, why is this the vampire method? Although because I guess you like look Dracula. Like a Dracula. Yeah. yeah. And he holds yeah. up the cape and comes yes. into the room. Okay. Makes sense. So James Leroy Wilson says, I only hear the word eclectic when it comes to liking a variety of music genres, never in any other context. I'm sorry, that is just you. I hear eclectic
1: yeah. describe a lot of things. Clothing, mm-hmm. your apartment. Food. Neighborhoods. Right. Sorry, dude.
0: Someone's bookshelf. The way yeah. votes are counted in presidential election. That's right. Uh, Meredith Shapiro says Just mirror everyone Put on a swimsuit Or workout clothes And think about How appalled Olden days people Would be if they saw me I've uh, never I've never had that thought But I have had the thought Of like Weren't they uncomfortable All the time In their olden days clothes I do think about
1: Olden days people And how thin they were
0: Maybe no one took Any photos of the fat people
1: No there were no fat people yeah, What no. it was Is because there just Wasn't a lot of food Yeah, yeah. And so you just had, you would, Your snack would be a whole pe- A whole apple Right not power bars and, you know, big Chipotle bowls. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, Fatty
0: Arbuckle was like 180 pounds and six foot four. Like he was not a fat <laughs> guy. Right. Uh, I just watched Metropolis two weekends ago and
1: I could not stop thinking about how skinny everybody was. What move, What year is that? Uh, I
0: think, oh, It's a silent movie. So I want to say like 1924,
1: 26? Yeah, pe- and my mom was like obsessed with her waist size too. Like it would be like she's like I used to just have black coffee in college. I'm like what? <laughs> and like the grapefruit diet. It was like grapefruit diet and like <sighs> hard boiled eggs and like yeah, I think a lot of women because the style was so dependent on your waist. Right. Like you really couldn't wear something else that that's what kept them really thin.
0: And people say that Marilyn Monroe was a size 14, but I read that she's like was a size four or something.
1: She's today's size four. But if you look at like vintage dresses, Mm -hmm. the sizes are all off. So like a vintage dress that's a size 12 is like a size six. Right. Right.
0: Uh, And lastly, Sarah Simmons says... When, oh, another, another, uh, behind the scenes Hollywood kind of one. When watching TV and see an actor wearing a watch, I try to see what time it is. Same for the books they are reading. I do that with books. I always try to see what book they're reading, but I've never done that with the watch. I will now. It's, okay. Do you not, do, do, are you able no. to suspend your disbelief in this fashion? <laughs>
1: totally. I remember a, a film class said, look at the edit in, um, and in a not unfaithful. What's the other one with Glenn Close?
0: Fatal Attraction. Fatal Attraction.
1: There's a scene in Fatal Attraction, like where they, where he's like, "Look at how the edit is." She's in the bed. It's when they, you know, everything's white, and they just like fucked. And it was like they cut to her, and her boob is out, and the next scene it's not, and like. So I see that I see more like editing mistakes than like looking for stuff like that. Right. Like I'll see like oh my god that like her glasses were on her head now they're not mm-hmm. and just stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I always notice the different like it'll they'll show someone and then cut away and then go back and the hair is different. Yeah, I always notice the hair being different. Right. Um, Heather McDonald, it was so delightful having you on the wasn't show, wasn't it? Though, thank you so much. It really was. You guys. Follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed, A R I Y M B F. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe. Al- uh, iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen is also where you can leave a nice comment. Jeff, where can we go for you?
1: You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox.
0: Okay. And Heather, let them know where to find you and plug everything you want to plug.
1: Well, most important thing is Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. iTunes, Stitcher, if you have an Android. Go. I've left Podcast One. and that wondering. So you might have to resubscribe. You probably do if you haven't already. But there should be Me in a Red Dress and there should be 61 or 62 episodes on there. So if it's like 57, then that's not the right one. And um, heathermcdonald.net for dates, as well as the podcast has the dates, which is com. And I'm going to be in Naples, Florida next at Off the Hook Comedy Club. And that's August 25th through the 28th. I'll be in Texas in September. I'll be in uh, Tampa in October, D.C. November 19th. So just go to the dates. Please come meet me. I don't want to be the only one there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. You heard her. Go meet her. Yes. Thank you again so much. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye.
1: Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time